Um, so welcome everyone. Today we're going to take a look at how we can um, analyze the exposure of uh, forever molecules uh, utilizing Kyogen's uh, CLC genomic workbench and ingenuity pathway analysis. And so um, throughout today's uh, session, um, it is meant to be uh, interactive. Um, so if you have any questions, please utilize that Q&A box that's located at the bottom of your screen. This is going to help us keep track of what questions are being asked and what questions are being answered. Now, um, I am going to be asking questions here and there just to make sure that what I'm presenting today um, is relevant uh, for what you guys are interested in. So at the bottom of your screen, you should also see this raise hand icon. So you guys just go ahead and click on it so that I know that it works for those of you that are attending in today's uh, session. And so again, that raise hand button is gonna be located um, at the bottom of your screen. Now, if you do experience some uh, difficulties, uh, Please let us know through chat and we'll try to help you as best as we can. So just want to let you know that the products that we will be uh, looking at today are intended for molecular biology applications only. These are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention, or treatment of a disease. And so um, since the late uh, 1940s, per and polyfluorinated um, alkyl substances have been uh, used in numerous products and technical processes. And in recent years, they have received increasing uh, scientific attention due to, due to their persistence in the environment and impact on public health. And so as a result, uh, numerous studies have been published on the adverse uh, biological effects of PFAS on humans and animals. And so today we'll look at the biological effects of PFAS exposure in the liver. And so in the first part of today's session, we will look at how you can utilize the Kyogen's uh, CLC genomics workbench to import your PFAS exposure data and generate differential expression using a workflow. We'll then um, export that differential expression data into um, IPA. And so in the second part of today's session, we'll look at how you can utilize Kyogen's um, Ingenuity pathway analysis to investigate biological pathways and regulatory networks associated with your um, exposure data and compare between analysis to identify shared biological mechanisms. We'll then take advantage of um, IPA's powerful knowledge base to construct a network and discover new relationships. So what are PFAS? And so PFAS are a group of synthetic compounds with carbon fluorine bonds and are known as forever molecules due to their high stability of the uh, carbon fluoride bond. Now PFAS are utilized in a uh, numerous uh, products and their wide usage has led to their presence in the soil, uh, different water sources, plants and animals. Now the two most common uh, PFAS found in the environment um, are perfluorooctane sulfuric acid and uh, perfluorooctonic acid although there has been an increased use of uh, GenX chemicals in recent times. And so PFAS are a public health concern because they bioaccumulate and studies have linked PFAS exposure to adverse health effects, such as uh, kidney and liver damage, um, cancer, impaired fertility and immunity, and low birth weights. And so further studies are needed to investigate the mechanisms of actions regarding PFAS exposure. And so in CLC, uh, visualizing uh, gene expression patterns to identify key genes or key signatures is easy to do. 
And so by using a volcano plot, you can identify which genes are up and down-regulated um, in response to PFAS exposure. And so in the liver, for example, um, zinc is needed for the activation of many enzymes involved in the urea cycle. And so here uh, we can see that um, MT1X, uh, which enables um, zinc ion binding activity is upregulated when the liver is exposed to different uh, types of PFAS compounds. And so by utilizing these outputs, you can identify key genes uh, in your data. Now in IPA, one of the results of a, a core expression analysis is to define relevant pathways based on the genes in your data sets. And so here uh, we can see what pathways are enriched in humanized uh, mice exposed to GeneX chemicals compared to controls. And we can see how the observed expression changes lead to predicted inhibition of uh, many metabolic pathways. Now we can look at a pathway in more details and see how the gene expression changes due to GeneX exposure influence other nodes and downstream functions uh, within this pathway. And so here uh, we can see that um, these genes uh, downregulated due to uh, GenX exposure in green lead to a predicted decrease in um, metabolism of uh, xenobiotics, which is consistent uh, with reduced liver function. And so using these pathways, you just like you can generate hypothesis by looking at the connections and the um, predictions um, as well. In addition to looking at biological pathways, uh, you can discover regulatory molecules that may be driving the expression changes of cellular data. And so once you identify a, a regulator of interest like NFE2L2, which is known to induce expression of detoxifying and antioxidant agents, uh, you can display it as a network and further study the relation, the interactions and relationships between uh, this regulator and its downstream targets um, found within your data. And so these upstream regulators can serve as potential targets for therapeutics or can be candidates for additional mechanistic studies. Now in IPA, you can take multiple PFAS exposure comparisons and identify what is biologically similar or different between your analysis. And so by using a heat map, you can see what uh, metabolic pathways are predicted to be um, inhibited, colored here in blue, while pathways involved in uh, apoptosis are predicted to be activated color here in orange, suggesting a reduced liver function after exposure to different PFAS. Now this is supported by the predicted inhibition of NFE202 and uh, insulin, uh, which is involved in hepatic glucose and lipid metabolisms, and the predicted activation of functions such as apoptosis, and conditions uh, such as a glucose meta metabolism disorder. And so this highlights how easy it is in IPA to compare different analysis and discover um, similar or opposite trends within your data, giving you a way to integrate across different experiments. Now utilizing the curated uh, literature-based interactions and associations within IPA, you can construct a custom network and see how genes uh, that are differentially expressed when exposed to different PFAS interact with each other and how they're associated with uh, different um, functions and uh, conditions. Now within 
your custom network, you can overlay PFAS exposure data into the network. So not only can you see how the observed expression changes influence uh, the nodes uh, within the network, but you can also compare different uh, PFAS uh, using a node chart. And so here you can see that uh, NOS2, which produces nitric oxide, is upregulated after exposure uh, to different uh, PFAS. And you can also see how in your network, exposure to different PFAS lead to the predicted um, inhibition of liver response and predicted activation of hepatotoxicity. And so not only can you see uh, the relationships between your genes of interest, but you can also find additional targets that may be involved in the mechanism of action regarding PFAS exposure. And so I'll show you a couple of different visuals that we're going to be looking at today. And I'm just gonna go ahead and launch a quick poll just to make sure that um, what I'm showing you is uh, something that's uh, very relevant to what you want to do yourselves um, in your um, research or in your analysis. So if you guys can fill up that poll, uh, that would be great. All right. And so let's go ahead and uh, look at how you can uh, utilize uh, CLC Genomics Workbench to analyze your PFAS exposure data. Now the data that we'll be working with today was obtained uh, from this uh, published, um, from this uh, study that looked at PFAS exposure uh, in the liver. And so humanized mice with uh, livers uh, repopulated with human hepatocytes were treated with um, PFOA, PFOS, and uh, GenX in their drinking water for uh, 28 days. And so after 28 days, uh, the liver tissues were collected and RNA-seq uh, was performed using Lumina to elucidate the impact of PFAS exposure in the liver. And so for those of you that are new to CLC, um, what is CLC? And so the Collagen Genomics Workbench is a graphical user interface able to process and analyze uh, NGS data from the most common platform, uh, the most common uh, sequencing platform. So it's an all-purpose uh, power tool for uh, NGS data analysis designed for non-experts in bioinformatics with unique features and interactive visualizations to help facilitate your analysis. And so in addition to um, analyzing uh, PFAS exposure, um, RNA-seq uh, data, CLC offers um, easy-to-use tools for the analysis of uh, microbial uh, NGS data, uh, single cell, um, you can do variant detection. And then we also have uh, epigenomics um, tools as well, just to give you a couple of examples. Now, what makes CLC special is that it offers uh, workflows that you can use, customize, and create. And so these are uh, pipelines that uh, provide a very um, powerful and extremely useful way to simplify and automate your data analysis, allowing you to generate uh, different um, outputs at once instead of doing them individually. And so the workflow guides you um, through the process with wizards, so you can generate uh, different outputs like differential um, expression tables for your genes, um, plots for correlation, uh, Venn diagrams, and uh, heat maps for your um, exposure data. And so um, in CLC, visualizing uh, gene 
visualizing a differential gene expression due to PFAS exposure and identifying key genes or gene signatures is easy to do. And so by generating interactive uh, volcano plots, you can identify uh, which uh, genes are either upregulated or uh, downregulated in the uh, humanized uh, livers exposed to uh, PFAS uh, versus controls. And so you can see that um, MT1X, uh, which enables uh, copper ion and zinc ion binding activities is upregulated in livers exposed to uh, three uh, different uh, PFAS uh, treatments compared to controls, um, whereas um, AKR1E2, uh, a mad pH dependent um, oxy reductase um, is downregulated um, when um, the liver is exposed um, to uh, PFAS uh, compared to um, controls. And so by utilizing these outputs, you can identify key genes um, in your exposure uh, data. In addition to that, uh, event diagrams uh, make event diagram makes it easy to compare the overlap of differentially expressed genes uh, between uh, the different PFAS exposures. And so here we can see that uh, 36 uh, genes are differentially expressed across the three different uh, PFAS compared to controls. And we can see that exposure to um, Gen X chemicals, uh, which is considered a, replace a replacement uh, for PFOA. Um, induced the most gene expression changes across all the different PFAS. And so by utilizing these outputs, uh, you can identify key genes in your data. And so just a show of hands, um, how many of you are interested in generating um, these type of outputs to identify what are the differences and similarities in terms of gene expression uh, between um, different exposures um, to PFAS chemicals? And so I can see that some of you uh, would find uh, these type of features uh, pretty useful. And so with this, uh, we're going to go ahead and go into um, CS Genome Refrenched um, to show you how to analyze some of these um, different outputs. And so when you go into the workbench, uh, the user interface is pretty straightforward. Uh, the top menu is going to have um, general tools. Here you can easily import um, your data and then uh, export uh, your results. Everything that you import and all of your analysis are going to be stored in the navigation area, all of the analytical tools and ready to use uh, workflows are going to be found within the toolbox. And then anything that you open uh, is going to appear here in the uh, view area. And so to analyze your uh, PFAS exposure or NAC data, uh, you will need to import uh, your data. And so here we have a uh, different uh, options of importing uh, your reads according to the sequencing platform that you use. And so today the data that we'll be working with was generated uh, using uh, Illumina. So when we select the Illumina importer, we're going to um, get a wizard that appears and guides you through the data import process. And so here you can see that the wizards that you know what to do in the step that you're looking at. So here we're going to import uh, the reads. And so you can simply do that by selecting our files And then um, clicking on next, 
to save them in um, an appropriate uh, location. And so once uh, you select a folder to save within your navigation area, um, your reads uh, will appear here in your navigation. Sorry, I did this um, just to conserve time uh, for this uh, session. Now, once you import your reads, uh, you can import uh, your metadata. And so metadata is a description of your uh, data, usually in the form of a table um, and is useful when doing comparisons. And so here we can upload the metadata by using the metadata importer, selecting um, our file from our local computer. In this case, uh, it's a uh, Excel spreadsheet. And then here you can see what uh, that uh, Excel spreadsheet looks like with information on um, the samples that we're going to be uh, working with, uh, what type of treatment they were involved in, and then the time point, and then shows additional information about the, um, the human uh, hepatocytes that were used to uh, repopulate uh, those uh, mice uh, livers. And so once we identify our table, we can then associate that table with the data that is currently uploaded uh, within the workbench by simply um, searching for it and selecting it. So here under uh, this folder, we can select our reads that we uploaded. And we can see that uh, now our reads present within our navigation area have been associated with the column uh, within our metadata. So once we do that, we can simply just um, decide where we want to save uh, this table and um, use it for the analysis. So I already did that ahead of time. And so when I open up that metadata table, uh, you can see that we have our um, samples and then uh, the information uh, from our uh, metadata table associated. And so with this, uh, you can uh, Start, you can trim your reads uh, to prepare them for the analysis by utilizing um, easy to use workflows. And so here within uh, the toolbox under the template workflows, we have the prepare raw data. And so this workflow is gonna allow you to uh, trim your reads um, and prepare them for the analysis. And so to start the workflow, you can just simply double click and it's gonna open up uh, that wizard. And so here, if we take a look at the different steps that the workflow is going to go through, we're going to go ahead and select our reads, which are the reads that we just uh, imported. Move those to the right-hand side. And then uh, select um, the trimming uh, parameters. Um, so in this case, I'm just going to go ahead and leave them as default. And then decide where we want to save that information. And so once uh, you save that information, uh, you're going to be generating uh, your trimmed reads as well. Um, so now you're ready to um, start uh, the analysis. So once you have uh, your trimmed reads, you can start the analysis by simply running a workflow. And so here, if we go back into our toolbox within the uh, template workflows, uh, we have under the basic um, workflow designs folder, a workflow entitled RNA-seq and differential gene expression analysis. And so we can launch this workflow by simply just uh, double clicking. And so here we're going to run it locally in our workbench. And we're going to go ahead and select um, our trim reads. So um, as you can see here, a output was selected 
And that's because uh, it was previously selected in navigation area. So I'm just gonna go ahead and just move it back and select the trim reads. So once we um, select our trim reads, the next step is going to be to um, select our reference data set. And so here, um, Kaijin offers uh, different um, reference packages that you can utilize. Um, you can also use your own as well. And so in this case, uh, we're going to be using the HG38 uh, human reference. And so that's already been selected. So we're going to go ahead and click on Next. And then we're going to uh, figure out how we want to configure our data. So the data set that we are working with today, um, two lanes were used um, to run uh, each uh, sample. And so using the metadata that we uploaded, we can uh, let um, CLC know that. So here we're going to select our metadata table. And then when we use this dropdown uh, under iterate, we can select how we want to uh, group our reads. So in this case, um, we're going to be using the sample session uh, since two uh, lanes were used. And if we do that, we can see that um, CLC is going to uh, group two reads per sample. And so here you can see that um, you can see how um, CLC is going to process um, the sequencing data. So once we let uh, CLC know how we want to process the sequencing data, uh, then the next steps are pretty easy as um, the reference uh, package that you select gets pre-uploaded into the workflow. So you can see what reference we're utilizing, uh, what annotation we're using for the genes, for the mRNAs, for the um, CDS, what gene ontology we're going to be looking at. And then lastly, um, when we get to differential expression for any section, we can uh, specify how we want to um, calculate our differential expression uh, using uh, the metadata that um, our data is associated with. Now, because I ran this workflow ahead of time, it saved um, my uh, settings that I used before, but here you can select um, how you want to um, divide uh, your data for differential expression. Um, so we are gonna be dividing it based on the treatment, but you can also um, divided based on different parameters that are associated within your table. So in this case, we're going to be um, calculating differential expression uh, due to treatment, and we're going to be comparing our, our groups against the no treatment, as that one is our control. But again, um, using the metadata information, you can specify you know, what uh, group you want to utilize as your control, or you can also um, do um, comparisons across all groups as well. So once we specify our differential expression, uh, we can simply just decide where we want to um, save that information. So I already did this uh, just to conserve time. And I made a um, RNA-seq and differential gene expression analysis workflow folder uh, with all of the different outputs that are generated from the uh, workflow. And so here, uh, the workflow is going to uh, generate some QC reports so you get an idea of um, how well um, your analysis was in terms of um, the reads, and then um, how well it did in terms of the mapping. And so here, for example, uh, we can see by taking a look at uh, this report that um, we uh, mapped 90% uh, 
of our reads uh, to um, our uh, reference, whereas um, around uh, six and a half percent were not mapped to our reference. And so you can uh, take a look at uh, this report to get some specific information on how well uh, your reads aligned and mapped um, to your um, desired reference. In addition to generating um, some key to reports, it's also going to generate um, some useful um, outputs that we're going to be uh, looking at. And so one of the key outputs that we're interested in today is going to be our differential expression uh, tables, which are denoted by these little um, triangle uh, icons. And so here uh, we generated comparisons uh, for each of the three uh, individual uh, PFAS exposures. So I'm going to go ahead and just open those. So you can see them um, side by side. And so each table uh, that's generated uh, within the workbench um, has options that allow you to specify what uh, type of columns you want to display. And so here we can see that we have a full change and a p-value for different genes uh, in regards to uh, PFOA exposure uh, compared to no treatment, uh, PFOS and then uh, GenX um, chemicals as well. And so um, not only can you view um, the differential expression as a table, uh, but table can also be viewed as a volcano plot. And so here we can um, use these icons located at the bottom to change how we want to uh, view our current um, outputs. In this case, rather than looking at the table, we want to look at it as a uh, volcano plot. And so we can go ahead and select that volcano plot um, icon and um, convert our table into um, a visual plot. So I'm just going to go ahead and just make these a little bit bigger so that you guys can see uh, the different plots that are present. And so here uh, you can um, use this volcano plot um, to identify what genes are uh, differentially expressed. So you can see which genes are upregulated and which genes are downregulated uh, due to the exposure of a specific PFAS. And so the plot is interactive, um, so you can always um, select uh, dots of interest. Here, for example, if you uh, want to know what this particular uh, data point is, uh, you can select it um, on the volcano plot and you can um, see what it is right here. So here, for example, um, if we select just uh, different um, outputs, we can see that um, we can see that um, AKR1E2 which is a, a NADPH-dependent um, oxidoreductase is downregulated across all of these uh, different um, exposures up to PFAS. Whereas um, if we take a look at other genes, such as um, MT1X, we can see that uh, this gene uh, which enables copper um, ion and zinc ion binding activity is upregulated um, in the livers exposed to the three uh, different PFAS. And so by looking at this volcano plot, you can identify which genes are affected um, in regards to uh, PFAS exposure, regardless of which um, chemical type you're using, or you can identify genes that are solely um, upregulated and influenced by one versus the others. And so, 
just a show of hands, um, how many of you would find um, a feature like this uh, useful to identifying uh, gene signatures that could be utilized uh, for further analysis um, in your workflow? So I can see that uh, many of you would find uh, such features uh, useful. And so uh, just to note that these uh, volcano plots are interactive with the table. So if we display the table back, not only can we uh, select uh, plots, points within um, the volcano plot, but we can also uh, filter uh, the table and get precise information on that uh, particular uh, data point or data points uh, that we are um, we are looking at. And so these these uh, data points and these um, these outputs can be uh, exported by simply uh, utilizing the export icon. And then here, um, this table is going to open up that shows you all of the different uh, formats that are supported for that particular output, giving you an idea of um, how easy it is to export um, outputs generated within CLC into a wide variety of different um, formats that can be used um, in other sources as well. So I wanna go ahead and just close this just to uh, keep our screen clean. So in addition to the uh, volcano plot um, event diagram, makes it easy to compare the overlap of differentially expressed genes uh, between other uh, comparisons. And so like other outputs in CLC, the Venn diagram um, can be viewed as a table by simply clicking on the little table icon located here at the bottom. So not only can you um, look at it visually, but you can also um, take a look at the table for more uh, in-depth information. And so if you want to see what genes are differentially expressed between the different uh, PFAS exposures, you can um, select them on uh, the Venn diagram and then go into the table and uh, view those um, particular uh, genes that you're interested in. So here we can see that 36 genes are common across all PFAS um, compared to uh, the no treatment controls. Now taking a look at this Venn diagram, we can also see that um, exposure to uh, Gen X induces more gene expression compared to uh, the other two. And so again, if you're interested in seeing what those um, genes are, you can simply um, go to this uh, table and then um, filter uh, for those precise genes. So the Venn diagram allows you to identify uh, what genes are uniquely expressed and um, affected by specific uh, PFAS exposures. Now, when you have a diff when you have expression changes uh, like this, it's kind of hard to uh, say what's happening, uh, which genes are connected. Um, are they part of a pathway? Can they, um, are they uh, influencing a particular biological function? And so um, this is kind of hard to do, which is uh, visualizing, you know, the gene expression and looking at the genes. And so you can further analyze your differential expression data to see how it is associated with different biological pathways and functions by exporting it to uh, engineering pathway analysis. And so here within the workbench, it's really easy to um, export your uh, differential 
uh, expression comparisons that you generate uh, using the workflow by simply utilizing uh, the tools within the toolbox. And so here, if we go into our toolbox and under the toolbox, we have a, a, a folder for engineering path analysis. And we have a tool that allows you to easily um, take in your um, differential expression that you generate uh, within a workbench, send it to IPA uh, for a biological um, interpretation analysis. And so you can easily do that by simply just double clicking on that tool, selecting your comparisons that you wanna look at, logging in into um, IPA, and then uh, specifying um, the information uh, regarding the analysis. And so in this case, uh, you can name uh, your um, analysis folder, which I did this ahead of time, so it um, auto-populates for me. But here, um, the folder we're gonna be uh, naming is called PFAS Exposure. And then you can choose whether you want to um, upload just that comparison, or if you want to upload and analyze it as well. So once uh, you set uh, the parameters, uh, you can then um, configure uh, how you want to upload uh, that um, differential expression data. Click on next, and then configure how you want to set up the analysis. So once you um, do those configurations, you can then click on finish to send uh, the analysis uh, into IPA. Now, we're not gonna be going over um, how to do a manual upload into IPA, but we do have uh, different uh, webinars uh, that cover uh, that aspect uh, in more uh, details. So um, you can check out those links that are available uh, in today's slides. And so with this, I think it's a good um, time to take a Q&A break to answer any questions um, that you guys uh, may have. Awesome, thank you, Araceli. This is awesome stuff go, uh, so far in CLC here. So just a quick reminder, I will be posting today's slides in chat right now. So if you wanna review any of the links that we've gone over, as well as I'll also post the direct link to sign up for that IPA certification if folks are interested in that. Okay, so we had a couple questions come in um, that I'd love to ask you, Araceli. So um, the first one is, where can I find more information on all of these different parameters uh, in the tool, in the workflow, so on and so forth? Uh, yeah, excellent question. So let's say that, you know, you're running the RNA-seq workflow and you're new uh, to RNA-seq. And uh, you don't really know what a lot of these different uh, parameters mean. So I'm just going to go ahead and just click a, a read just to kind of like um, go to... So let's say that you know we're here on the RNA-seq um, analysis section and you see all these different parameters uh, and you don't really know what they mean. Um, any tool that you open, you'll always see this little um, help icon at the bottom of the tool. And so here when you click on the help, it's going to open up our manual in the precise location that you are looking at. And so rather than um, searching through the index of the manual to try to figure out you know, where you can find that relevant information. Um, here, it um, allows you to easily access uh, that information that um, is relevant to that particular uh, section that you're working with. And so our manual can easily be accessed by just clicking on the little help um, icon. 
or help button uh, within any tool or workflow that you have open. And so the Fabulous. same can be said for the outputs. So here we're, we have uh, different outputs. So if you go to help, um, it's going to open up um, the help um, in um, display um, the relevant information for the output that we're looking at, which in this case is the, the Venn diagram. Excellent. Thank you so much for that uh, description. Yeah, there's lots of great uh, help documentation behind the scenes in CLC there. Uh, another question that came in is, I see that uh, these workflows look like there are a bunch of different tools stitched together into a easy to use kind of uh, template workflow. What if I wanted to change some of those settings for those individual tools within the workflow? How would I do that? Uh, excellent question. So as I mentioned, um, the workflows that are provided um, can be customized uh, to fit your research needs. So here we can just open a copy of the workflow, which is doing a right click. And it's going to um, display uh, the inner workings of, of the workflow. So even though uh, it may look a little complicated, it's just taking your trim reads, uh, mapping them to reference, and then generating all these uh, um, outputs, such as differential expression, Venn diagram, heat map, and whatnot. And so here you can um, adjust the parameters by just double clicking on the tool. And so when you double click on the tool, it's going to open up those parameters um, that are um, preset. And so in this case, you can um, select what you want to uh, manually change. Um, so if you want to uh, change any of these parameters, uh, you can do so. And so once you make those changes, you can just save this as your own workflow and you have your own customized workflow um, that's specific to your uh, research needs. Very cool. Thank you so much. Uh, one last quick question before I hand it back over to you. Um, if I was interested in doing something other than the workflows that you're showing today, do you guys have any helpful tutorials that could guide me through some of the other tools and workflows that you guys have in CLC? Uh, yes. And so we do have a lot of uh, cool tutorials. So if you go to the help and then uh, look on online tutorials, this is going to open up a page uh, in your browser that is going to uh, list different types of tutorials that we have available for different applications that you're working with. Uh, the cool thing about these tutorials is that um, they come with uh, example uh, data. So if you wanted to know, you know what um, the de novo assembly of pair reads look like, uh, you can open up that workflow. The workflow is pretty uh, easy. It has big letters, uh, it has pictures, and again, it's going to come with um, some example data that you can practice with. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So there is another poll going on um, just to check our speed to make sure that we are kind of keeping on pace with what you guys are anticipating um, from the results right now. looks like the current pace is just fine with only a couple of you asking to go slower. So it looks like we're, we're good with pace. So if you um, have any more feedback, feedback on that, just please fill out that poll. And with that, I will hand it back over to you, Araceli. Thanks, Tristan. So now let's go ahead and look at how we can use IPA to analyze our PFAS exposure uh, expression data. And so for those of you that are not familiar with um, IPA, IPA is a powerful tool that allows you to analyze um, and interpret different types of omic data within the biological context. And so by using the different features within IPA, you can generate different uh, visual outputs to help you gain further insight into molecular mechanisms uh, that are present behind the data. And so here you can see how uh, your data is associated with different pathways, uh, networks, um, diseases, and functions, which allow you to identify um, key biomarkers, drug targets, and discover new disease mechanisms. Now the functionality 
uh, within IPAs powered by the cryogenology base, which represents a massive ontology of over um, 12 million um, curated literature uh, findings that try to define molecular interactions and associations from the literature using controlled vocabulary. And so our team of MD and PhD level scientists go through the literature and define what are the key molecular interactions found within those publications. Uh, they pull out appropriate context for these relationships uh, from the study to understand directionality and uh, interactions um, between molecules and associations between molecules and disease. And so the high quality manually curated data allows for causality and causality prediction in IPA. And so overall, the Kaijin uh, knowledge base represents a, a rich repository of molecular interactions of high quality that has been updated weekly for over 20 years. And so um, we will be working with the um, three RNC comparisons generated in CLC, comparing exposure to uh, PFOA, PFOS, and uh, GenX chemicals um, in the liver of humanized mice to uh, no treatment controls. And so by utilizing IEPA's powerful knowledge base, you can identify um, enriched pathways uh, to gain insights into the biological mechanisms underlying your data and utilize the gene expression changes observed within your data to see how these metabolic pathways are predicted to be inhibited in uh, humanized mice exposed to uh, GeneX uh, compared to controls, for example. And so opening this pathway, uh, we can see how the downregulation of genes due to um, the PFAS exposure here colored in green, uh, lead to a predicted decrease in the, um, xeno, the, in the metabolism of xenobiotics, which is consistent uh, with reduced uh, liver function. In addition to pathways, you can identify key um, regulatory molecules like NFE2L2, which is known to induce expression of uh, detoxifying and antioxidant genes and display its regulatory network to further study its interactions with downstream targets from uh, your data that are differentially expressed when um, the humanized mice are exposed to um, a particular PFAS of interest. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and just go into the software. And so uh, when you open up uh, IEPA, you will see an interface that looks like this. And so for those of you that are new to IPA, the first thing you will notice is going to be uh, this quick start uh, window where you have uh, workflow options for analyzing uh, different types of uh, data. And so this window also gives you access to uh, what is new in IPA as well as uh, helpful information such as um, use cases and uh, webinars, and then uh, some help articles and our frequently asked questions. Now the uh, project manager window here on the left-hand side is gonna store all of the data. Here you will find the data you've uploaded and any analysis that you run in the My Project subfolders. Um, in this case, we used uh, CLC to automatically upload and analyze our PFAS differential expression data that was generated. Um, so here we can see that we have um, a PFAS uh, folder uh, specifically for our um, analysis. And then when we take a look at that folder, uh, we can see that we have um, the PFAS exposure analysis uh, that we um, imported into IPA and then our three um, different uh, comparisons. Now, as I mentioned, you can manually upload this information as well by simply just going into the create new and then core analysis. And so if you want more, 
details, um, you can um, attend one of our new users uh, webinars that goes into details on how to manually upload uh, your data. So let's go ahead and um, open up uh, the GeneX uh, analysis. As more genes, um, as more changes in gene expression were observed in this uh, PFAS compared to the others. Now, when you open up an analysis, this is how the analysis will look like with results for pathways, upstream regulators, uh, disease and functions uh, in different tabs. So I'm gonna go ahead and just maximize this. Let's go ahead and go into the pathways uh, tab. So it appears that my IP may have froze a little. Oh, there we go. Took us some time. All right. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and just mm, reorganize this so that you can see it just a little bit better. And so one of the results of a core expression analysis is to define relevant pathways based on the molecules in your data. And so here you can see what pathways uh, are enriched in this comparison. And so the more significant uh, the enrichment, uh, the higher the bar. Now, one of the things that makes IPA unique is that the database is not only comprehensive, but it is also causal. So based on how the genes are up and down regulated in your data, IPA compares that to literature and makes predictions using a C-score statistic. So the chart displays a colors uh, such as um, orange, uh, which represents predicted activation and is based on a positive C-score, and uh, blue, which is uh, which represents predicted inhibition and is based on a negative C score. And so here, by just browsing through these uh, um, enriched uh, data sets, I'm sorry, enriched uh, pathways within uh, the exposure to uh, Gen X uh, chemicals in the liver, you can see that uh, pathways involved in metabolism are predicted to be um, inhibited uh, compared to non-treatment controls. And so by looking at this image, you can get an overall uh, feel for what's uh, happening uh, biologically. Now the liver is a major site of xenobotic uh, metabolism. So when you click on a pathway, uh, let's say xenobotic um, metabolism, general signaling pathway, um, you will uh, see all of the different uh, genes uh, from your data set that belong to this pathway uh, down here. Now we can visualize uh, this pathway in greater detail by simply going into the um, open uh, pathway. So we're gonna go ahead and just make this a little bit bigger and center it so you guys can see it better. And it's gonna go ahead and hide this. Okay. And so when you open up a pathway, uh, you automatically see predictions and it this is done by taking advantage of class quality and directionality in IPS knowledge base. So relying on the directional information from the curated literature in the knowledge base, we can take the observed gene expression changes in your data, where green is um, down regulation, and predict uh, how that might influence both other nodes in this pathway where um, predicted inhibition is colored in uh, blue. And so uh, xenobiotic metabolism, sometimes called drug metabolism, is the process of biotransforming less uh, polar um, 
compounds into more polar, more polar compounds that can be excreted more easily. And so here you can see uh, that these, how these genes, which are downregulated um, due to uh, Gen X exposure, uh, color here in green, lead to the predicted decrease in biological functions, such as um, metabolism of uh, xenobiotics and decrease uh, in uh, drug transport. Uh, which are associated with a uh, reduced uh, liver function. And so you can generate a hypothesis by looking at the different um, connections and colors. Now you can always um, export this figure by clicking on the um, export icon uh, located up here. And so here you can export um, in different uh, formats as well as in different resolutions uh, that best uh, uh, suits you. And so by taking a look at not only how the pathway um, is behaving as a whole, but also how um, it is uh, behaving uh, within, you can uh, generate a uh, testable um, hypothesis. In addition to looking at uh, clinical pathways, um, you are also interested in uh, identifying regulatory molecules that may be driving the expression changes observed in your data. But you don't want to spend hours reading through the literature to find this type of information. And so the core expression analysis in IPA can help define uh, regulatory mechanisms based on the changing genes in your data. And so these upregulators can serve as potential targets for therapeutics or can be candidates for additional mechanistic uh, studies. And so here under the upstream analysis tab, uh, the default view is going to be the upstream regulators. And so in upstream regulators, IPA looks at any uh, regulatory molecule uh, in the knowledge base and identifies uh, downstream targets within your data, thereby allowing you to find key molecules that could be driving the expression changes observing your data. And so IPA captures regulatory molecules both from your data, these are the ones that are currently present and detected, and outside of your data. Uh, that can serve as potential uh, regulators for various genes according to the literature. And so here, um, using this table, we can define a regulatory profile of transcription regulators that could be driving the expression changes observed in human hepatocytes exposed to gene X by filtering um, this table. So here, if we filter by molecule type, we can focus on our target uh, molecules of interest, which is going to be transcription regulator. And then we can also uh, filter by activation C-score, which predicts the activity of the regulator um, to see which regulators are predicted to be significantly activated or significantly inhibited by entering an absolute value of two. All right. So once uh, you filter this table, you can see that you have now a more suitable um, list of uh, potential transcription regulators that can be utilized uh, for further studies. Now, once you identify a regulator of interest, uh, such as NFE2L2, which again um, is known to induce the expression of detoxifying and antioxidant genes, again, uh, some of, um, some, uh, again, it's, it's a, biological function um, that is really important when it comes to liver, uh, you can uh, display it as a network. 
And then here you can see how uh, this regulator of interest um, is connected to its downstream targets uh, within um, your data. And so by taking a look at this uh, network, you can uh, further study the different relationships um, that um, this regulatory uh, network is associated with. And so just a show of hands, um, how many of you guys would find this feature uh, pretty useful um, in terms of identifying what could be some key uh, genes present within your data? It could really just save you some time when it comes to doing all that literature research. And so I can see that uh, some of you uh, would find this a, a pretty uh, useful feature. And so, I'm going to go ahead and just close this. Again, um, you can utilize a um, expression analysis uh, to take a uh, deeper look into the biological context within your data by identifying those pathways that are enriched uh, within your data set, and then identifying some key molecules that can serve as potential targets for, um, for uh, further um, future studies. Now, that we've looked at uh, one individual uh, comparison. Let's look at how you can use IPA to identify biological similarities and differences between the different uh, PFAS uh, that we're looking at today. I'm gonna go ahead and just close this. Um, so when working with uh, multiple groups, like different time points, different treatments, it's kind of hard to compare things one by one. And so for this reason, IPA has a powerful feature called comparison analysis that allows you to compare multiple analysis all at once. And so to access that, you can simply go into our create new button and select the second option called comparison analysis. And so here we can select uh, those different comparisons that we want to look at side by side. And so um, the, our analysis um, we have just currently looked at uh, has been um, uploaded. And so here we can uh, select uh, the other two PFAS exposures and add those. So once we have our analysis that we want to compare, we can simply uh, look at them by clicking uh, the view comparison button. And so this comparison analysis, um, I'll just make it bigger so you guys can see it, is going to um, allow you to see uh, and compare uh, the different analysis uh, in the form of a heat map. So here we have um, a heat map for conical pathways, um, for um, option regulators uh, and disease and functions and so forth. So, Taking a look at this um, heat map for canonical pathways, um, this heat map allows you to uh, visualize the canonical pathways uh, relevant to these three uh, different analyses simultaneously. And so by default, uh, the heat map displays the predicted activity of the pathway in each of the individual analysis based on a z-score where predicted activation is uh, colored in orange and then predicted inhibition is represented in blue. And so here uh, we can rearrange the way that this heat map is sorted by simply utilizing uh, the feature called uh, here the sort method. And so here um, we can sort, for example, by hierarchical clustering to identify patterns that go across the different data sets or that are opposite to each other. 
right? And so taking a look at uh, the seed map, I'm just gonna just make it a little bit bigger so you guys can see it. Uh, we can see um, that pathways that are involved in um, metabolism are uh, predicted to be uh, inhibited. So we have different uh, metabolic, metabolic uh, pathways that are predicted to be inhibited. And then we also have pathways that are involved in apoptosis and these are predicted to be um, activated. And so um, taking a look at the behavior of these pathways, um, we can see that um, pathways involved in metabolism are predicted to be inhibited in response to PFAS exposure, while some pathways that are involved in apoptosis are predicted to be activated, uh, suggesting and supporting um, a reduced liver function in response to PFAS exposure. Now, when we take a look at uh, the heat map for um, upstream uh, regulators, Right, we can see that uh, NFE2L2 uh, and uh, insulin, uh, which is involved in uh, hepatic glucose and lipid metabolism, are predicted to be inhibited across a different PFAS exposure, further supporting a reduced uh, liver function. And so you can um, utilize the comparison heat maps to sort of like start formulating your hypothesis and then taking a look at the different um, differences and similarities between. Um, the uh, different uh, PFAS exposures to sort of generate and further support uh, that uh, hypothesis. So taking a look at this data, uh, we can hypothesize that um, exposure to uh, PFAS, regardless of whether it is um, gene X, um, PFOA, or PFAS, um, they're all leading to uh, a reduced uh, liver function. And so uh, with this, we can go ahead and take our um, second uh, Q&A break. Thank you so much, Araceli. So um, I am going to paste the link just for the slides in the chat again for good measure, just in case somebody has uh, missed those slides along the way. So here it comes now. So a couple questions came in. So let's go through those. Um, so in, um, in IPA, how many different analyses can I look at in this comparison analysis? Uh, quick question. So um, if you're taking a look at your own um, analysis, uh, you can compare up to 20 uh, individual analysis at once with the comparison analysis feature. Um, the IPA allows you not only to compare your data uh, against other data you have, but you can also compare against public data. And so when you're using a comparison analysis uh, against public data, you can, up, you can compare up to 100 uh, analysis at a time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, there's a lot going on in IPA in terms of the colors and all of that. So is there a place that we could uh, review to see what all of those colors mean and maybe some of the shapes and lines that we see in um, pathway maps? Uh, yeah. So if we go to help and then click on the legend, uh, this is going to open up a page uh, in your browser that's going to uh, Pull out our um, our legend. And it's not doing it. Uh, so this should open up a, pa a, a page in your browser that should display all of the different um, all the different shapes um, mean. 
Rome has been very finicky lately, so. <laughs> yes, that's my, that's my, just my default. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'll just do the I'll just go and search for it here so what Araceli is looking through too is a combination of all of our different support articles so if you had any questions Like, you know, hey, where's the legend? You can just quickly go to um, our Kyogen, um help page here and just look up anything that you'd want here. Yes, so um, my Chrome is not working very well, but um, if you go to help legend, it should open up in your browser uh, this particular page uh, displaying our legend. So here you can see the different uh, shapes, what they mean, Uh, what the different abbreviations that you're going to see within the relationships with those are, as well as the different connecting lines between the nodes. So this uh, page provides you with information on the colors, the shapes, the lines um, within um, IPA. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so I know you have a lot to get to, so I'll hand it back over to you. But first, we do have a poll going on right now, just gathering some Uh, last feedback from you guys to see what you think about uh, CLC Genomics Workbench and IPA. So if you could fill that poll out, that would be wonderful. Um, so here you go, Araceli, right back to you. Uh, thanks, Kristen. And so just to kind of like remind you guys, uh, you can always export uh, these uh, heat map figures uh, for publications um, to share them with colleagues as a presentation by simply going into the um, little export image icon. And so here you can export again in different uh, resolutions, sorry, different formats, as well as different uh, resolutions. And then one of the cool things uh, is that instead of exporting that long heat map that can sometimes um, be generated, you can focus on that current section of the heat map that you're looking at and export that as well. So those are just um, some of our uh, export um, options. So now let's look at how we can use um, and query IPA's powerful knowledge base, right? And so using um, a diagram in CLC, uh, we identified 36 differentially expressed genes, common, uh, that are, we identified uh, 36 differentially uh, expressed genes common uh, between the different PFAS exposures that we looked at today. And so using uh, your list of uh, common genes, you want to know how those genes are associated with hepatotoxicity. Can they serve as potential targets? What other functions are they associated with? So rather than spending hours researching the literature, you can easily generate networks in IPA within minutes. And so the numerous tools uh, for network construction in IPA utilize the information in the knowledge base to help define uh, interactions and associations uh, within your genes of interest and allow you to build a specific network to help answer your questions or generate hypotheses. So here we can see how um, the genes that are differentially expressed when, it, when exposed to different PFAS are connected to each other and how they associate with uh, hepatotoxicity and other uh, relevant functions such as a liver response uh, and in inflammation. Now, once you have a network, you can overlay uh, PFAS exposure expression data onto the network. And so not only can you see how the observed 
um, expression changes influence uh, the nodes in cell work, but you can also compare uh, the different uh, PFAS exposures uh, using the node charts. And so by utilizing the overlay and the built features, you can build your custom network and then take a look at uh, the gene expression in the biological context within that isolated network. So let's go ahead and go back into our um, IPA. I'm just gonna go ahead and just minimize this. And so we're going to harness the power of um, IPA's knowledge base to build a network to see how um, a list of uh, genes of interest um, are connected to each other and uh, to hepatotoxicity. And so what um, I did ahead of time is I took those uh, genes that are common uh, within um, our three exposure uh, conditions uh, from CLC, and I uploaded those into um, IPA and generated a list. And so if I open up that list, it's, it is what it uh, is called. It is basically a list of those genes that are common across our three PFAS exposures. And so here I wanna use this list to um, construct a network to see how these genes are connected and associated with hepatotoxicity. And so for that, I can use and go into this little tool icon. I'm gonna to add to a new pathway. So what this is gonna do is going to take uh, these genes and add them to a blank canvas that's gonna allow us to construct our own custom network. And so to see how, um, these genes are connected to hepatotoxicity, we're gonna go ahead and search for our function of interest by taking advantage of the search bar located up here on the top of the screen. So here under the genes and chemicals, you can, change, you can search for a gene of interest and find all the relevant information about that gene. Uh, you can search for a public data set and uh, using keywords and pull up um, relevant uh, data sets coming from the public domain uh, and take a look at the biological context within those public data sets. Uh, you can also search for a specific pathway and take a look at that. And here under the disease and functions, we can search for a disease or a function of interest and get more information about that disease or that function. So in this case, I'm gonna go ahead and select the disease and functions and type in hepatotoxicity. And as I do so, uh, it's gonna auto-populate so I can go ahead and select my function of interest. Now, when you search for a function or a disease in IPA, you're gonna get a hierarchy of terms, and then you're gonna get the findings of the molecules associated with that. So here, whether you're looking at uh, hepatotoxicity from a liver damage standpoint, or from a gastrointestinal disease standpoint, uh, we have the same number of findings. And so I'm gonna go ahead and just choose this bottom one. And I want to add it to the pathway that I have open. So to do so, I'm gonna go ahead and go to add to my pathway. And then I'm gonna go ahead and add it to pathway two, which is the pathway that it's currently open. In this case, uh, you do have the option of adding either um, the disease or function as a node. You have the uh, option of adding all of these different associated molecules or both. Now, just to keep things simple, I'm just gonna add the disease as a node. So I'm gonna go ahead and click okay. And so once we do that, we now have our genes of interest and our uh, disease or function of interest. And so with this, uh, we can um, 
built a custom network connecting our two uh, our no our genes with our, our disease by simply utilizing the built menu tools. So here under built, uh, the tool that we're going to be utilizing first is going to be the Path Explorer tool. And so the Path Explorer, um, what it does is it queries IPA's knowledge base and identifies different paths in which two nodes or more of interest are connected. And so here uh, for today, we are interested in knowing how these different genes are connected to hepatotoxicity. And so for that, we're going to use uh, this panel on the left-hand side to let IPA know what direction and what we're trying to connect. And so here, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and select all of these genes and add them to the set A box and select my disease and add it to set the B box. Now, again, in terms of direction, I am interested, we're interested in going from set A to set B from the genes to the disease. So here under direction, we're going to go and select the option from set A to set B. So once we have that, we can simply apply that information and IP is going to query its knowledge base to identify the different ways in which our set A genes are associated with our set B uh, disease. And so here you can see that um, there are 54 uh, short paths in which our genes through some intermediates are associated with hepatotoxicity. And so here we can add those different uh, paths by simply clicking on the top box to select all of the paths and then by utilizing um, the add to my pathway uh, button. So when we do that, we now have um, added uh, the different paths in which uh, some of the genes present within our network are associated with hepatotoxicity. In addition to these 54, there are over 1400 different ways in which um, our genes through additional intermediates um, are associated with uh, hepatotoxicity, uh, but just to um, conserve time, it's gonna focus on the, the shortest paths um, that are available. Now here uh, we have uh, different types of uh, chemicals uh, and molecules uh, that um, are present within our, um, our network. Now, in addition, in, now part of those chemicals, for sure, part of those molecules, we have chemicals. So we're not really interested in looking at drugs. We're interested in keeping um, a network in which um, it's mainly gene focused and a lot of these genes may be found within our data set. And so for that, we're gonna go ahead and trim away um, some of the nodes that we're not interested in. And so for that, we can go here into this drop-down menu and select the trim option. And so uh, utilizing the panel here on the uh, left-hand side, you can uh, select what type of information you want to remove from your network. And so in this case, we want to remove um, specific types of nodes. So we're gonna go ahead and go into this nodes type section. And then we want to remove um, those um, chemicals uh, that are present within our network. So I'm gonna go ahead and select our network and I'm going to remove um, any uh, chemicals so that may be present. So once I select the nodes uh, that I want to remove, I can simply apply that by clicking apply. And so that's going to remove um, those nodes that we don't want. 
and focus on the nodes that we are interested in. Now you can see that not all genes are uh, connected uh, to another node or to our uh, to hepato um, hepato uh, toxicity, and so we only want to keep those genes that have a connection to another node um, in this network. And so for that, we can go into this uh, drop-down menu and go into the keep tool. So the keep uh, tool allows you or tells IPA what you want to keep uh, within your network. So in this case, we are interested in keeping uh, those genes that have that are connected to other nodes within the network. And so for that, we're going to go ahead and go into the node connectivity section. So I'm going to go ahead and highlight my network. And then here under node uh, connectivity, we want to keep those nodes that are connected to um, anything greater than one. So once we set that specification, we can apply that. And so that's going to remove um, all of those nodes that had less than one uh, connections. And so by utilizing uh, the trim and the keep tools, we have um, sort of trimmed and removed uh, the no nodes that we're not interested in and, and better customize our uh, network of interest. Now, taking a look at this network, we can see how it is associated with hepatotoxicity. But here we can ask the question, what other functions are the genes in this network associated with? And so for that, we can use the build menu and select the option to grow. So the grow feature allows you to grow your network out uh, even further uh, to identify additional molecules and chronic pathways that are upstream or downstream of your uh, nodes present here or you can identify what are some of the um, diseases or functions that are associated with the molecules that you see here. And so uh, when you click on the disease and functions tab, it's gonna again query um, knowledge base and identify the different disease or functions the nodes within this network are associated with. And so here we can see that there are over 517 different disease and functions uh, these now, these, uh, molecules are associated with, and we can scroll down to identify those that are relevant to um, our biological uh, interest. So here we can see that hepatotoxicity is one of them, and it's uh, already listed. But to get a look, you can see that functions such as hepatic injury uh, is also associated with many of the molecules found within this network. Uh, we can see that um, other uh, functions, for example, as fibrosis of the liver, is also associated. And so here you can um, choose different uh, functions uh, that you are interested in. So just to keep things simple, I'm just gonna go ahead and apply response to the liver to the network. And so here uh, you can see how um, different um, Molecules uh, within this uh, network are associated uh, to with liver response. So looking at my network, I missed a couple of molecules. So I'm just gonna go ahead and just 
manually select those and delete them off since they're not connected. Um, and so here you can see that we have a um, ability to customize um, our uh, network uh, to fit our uh, research needs. Now, this network uh, is not really organized to really in a, a nice way. So I can change the way that it's organized to make it a little bit more pretty by going to the change layout. And so here I can uh, change it into different uh, layouts uh, as I fit uh, best. And so um, for those of you that are interested in looking at the biological contacts, uh, the um, subcellular uh, layout allows you to see uh, where within the cell your different uh, nodes are located. Um, and then also an another uh, useful one is the organic one that allows you just to you know, have a more organic view of how your different um, nodes are connected to each other. And so IPA allows for the flexibility to uh, move things around. Um, so again, um, it's very customizable. Uh, so you can make this network look and display uh, whatever you, you fit uh, necessary. So now that we have this network, um, you can overlay the gene expression changes observed in the liver of humanized uh, mice when exposed to different PFAS, right? So now that you have your custom network, you can take a look at this uh, gene expression um, in the context of this isolated network. And so for that, uh, you can go into the overlay menu and within the overlay menu, uh, you can select the first option, which is analysis data sets and list. And so here uh, you can add uh, different uh, data sets uh, to overlay onto this network. Now, when you click on the add, uh, you will see this window that pops up. And so here you can add uh, information coming from your My Project subfolders, or you can also overlay um, public expression data by utilizing the search bar. So here with the search bar, you can search for keywords or a geo-accession number uh, and identify uh, the relevant um, public uh, core analysis that have been um, generated uh, based on that public data, uh, or you can use your own. So for simplicity's uh, sake, we're just gonna go ahead and overlay our PFAS data that we generated. So here under PFAS, data sets, when I get that PFAS exposure um, data set that contains our three comparisons and click okay. And so what it's gonna do, it's gonna take that gene expression information um, within those three comparisons and overlay that onto our network. So not only will we be able to see how our different genes are connected to each other and how they're connected to uh, liver response and hepatotoxicity, but we'll also be able to see how those different expression changes influence the other nodes within this network and our overall um, functions as a whole. So just a show of hands, uh, how many of you would be interested in building your own custom network? I know that IPA has um, hundreds of pre-generated uh, networks available, uh, but this feature really allows you to make your own network and identify something that could be unique specifically to what you're working with. Um, so just a show of hands for those of you that are interested in that. And so I can see that uh, many of you are interested in that.
into here, um, once, uh, once the, the data is overlaid, you can see in the panel on the left-hand side what uh, comparisons we're looking at, as well as um, the different genes that have expression changes associated to them. So here we are looking at uh, PIFA, at um, PFO uh, exposure, but we can use this table to sort of see how this network looks like as a whole when we're taking a look at those uh, individual uh, data, individual comparisons. Now, when you upload um, two or more comparisons, um, you can compare the individual gene expression by taking a look at uh, these note charts. So here, for example, we can see how um, NFE2L2 is expressed across uh, the different um, PFAS uh, exposures. And so here you can see that Gen X and PFOA have um, similar uh, expression for um, how regulation of NFE2L2 uh, compared to uh, PFO, PFOS. And so uh, this is um, sort of uh, you know, interesting as um, Gen X is the replacement um, chemical for that. And so by looking at these uh, different um, nodes and the different node charts, you can identify uh, what uh, genes uh, you can uh, target for downstream applications. And you can see how uh, when looking at this um, isolated network, you can see how your data is leading to a predicted uh, increase in hepatotoxicity and a uh, predicted increase in uh, the response. And so um, this, so this um, can be a very um, useful um, information. And so to summarize what we've covered today, um, so today we looked at how you can uh, utilize uh, your, the CLC genomics workbench to take your PFAS exposure data and convert that NGS data into visuals of gene expression. So you can take a look and identify what genes are differentially expressed due to PFAS exposure and identify um, how the different uh, exposures influence uh, different or uh, common genes. We can then uh, take that uh, differential expression data and uh, analyze it within a biological context in IPA. Um, so here within IPA, we saw how we can take our uh, comparisons uh, of interest and identify um, what are some of the key pathways that are enriched in our data set and how those gene expression changes due to um, PFAS exposure influence the network as a whole and downstream functions associated within that pathway. We can identify key rotary molecules that can be used as therapeutic targets or um, can be used as targets for uh, downstream mechanistic um, experiments. And then we can also take a look at um, our exposures at once to identify uh, common biological trends, and then uh, use um, those genes that are commonly observed across our data and generate its own network to identify how they're connected and how they relate to functions of interest. And so with this, uh, thank you for your time. and. Um, we can take any questions uh, if they are any available. Awesome. Thank you so much, Araceli. That was a wonderful presentation. A couple of questions came through. 
So um, one question that came up is, uh, what are the options to add uh, perhaps more annotations to that custom network that we're generating there? Yeah, so here, um, the built manual really allows you to, uh, again, build that custom network. Um, so we do have the option to add your own molecules and uh, relationships. So if you have your own personal database, if you wanna incorporate uh, the findings from your own personal database onto IPA, uh, you can add your own annotations using the built menu and connect those annotations um, to the annotations that are currently pres present through um, IPA. Awesome, thank you so much. And I know you went over this, but um, if you could just refresh folks' memory on if you were searching for a publicly available data set to maybe overlay onto one of these custom networks, how would you go about that again? Uh, yeah, so um, let me just open back my network. So here, if we go to overlay, we can go to the first section, which is analysis data sets and list, and add more data. So today we added our own um, exposure data, but if you find a study, uh, you can search for that specific study or um, keywords using a search bar. And so this is going to um, open up um, our data set analysis search bar, uh, search bar menu, where um, it's basically going to query um, through over 141,000 comparisons coming from the public domain uh, that are relevant to uh, PFAS uh, exposure as well as any uh, data sets that you have in uh, your my projects as well. Um, so here, if I, I search by PFAS and I don't have anything, we don't have anything that's relevant to it. Let's try Gen X. <laughs> um, but you can use the keywords to identify uh, public studies that you may want to overlay um, onto your network. And so this allows you to not only compare your data, but you can also compare that to uh, public data as well. And so I may not be using the, the correct uh, keywords. Let's try that one. One helpful tip that um, I employ all the time is the use of an asterisk to do like a wildcard search. So I'm notoriously bad at spelling. So I love, um, you know, typing out some of a word and then just using that wildcard search asterisk to help kind of broaden my, my search terms there. That's a good, uh, good tip. So while we're waiting for that to load, I am going to share in chat a link to uh, our survey monkey. So what we're doing here is we're trying to collect feedback on this training, how well we did, um, what you would like to see more of, less of, so on and so forth. So please feel free to share your thoughts and um, feedback in that survey monkey link. We would be muchly appreciative of that. Um, and after this uh, demonstration, it looks like we don't have any more questions coming in. So if uh, folks on the line have any more questions, please feel free to type them into the chat box or into the Q&A box. Um, we're going to remain on the line just for a few more minutes here. Uh, but yeah, so get in your last minute questions here. It looks like Araceli was able to find some cool stuff to show you. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, so uh, 
Again, uh, you can search uh, for public data and your own data by using keywords. So here, if I just search for any data set that's relevant to liver, we can see that we have over uh, 13,000 um, analysis. And so once you select an analysis of the interest, like for this one, this is liver cirrhosis, we're comparing um, liver cirrhosis to a normal control. We can um, overlay that into our network and we can see how the expression coming from that particular uh, data set uh, compares to our, um, our response data. So here, for example, if you uh, were interested in seeing, you know, does my data look similar to uh, what I would see um, in liver? And so here you can see uh, that, um, that, for example, NOS2, which uh, produces a nitric oxide, uh, is not only um, upregulated in our exposure data, but it's also upregulated in a uh, in a public data set coming from comparing a liver cirrhosis to um, a normal control. And so, by utilizing um, these features, you can identify you know genes that are commonly expressed across the liver uh, liver related conditions or that are differentially expressed. Um, so this kind of highlights the power of uh, you know comparing your data with blood data to either validate uh, your uh, expression or identify um, new uh, conditions that may be uh, of interest to you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Araceli, for that. So we're going to remain on the line just for a couple uh, more minutes to catch any last minute questions that you might have. But thank you to all of our attendees for, for participating today and for spending your valuable time with us. Thank you to Araceli for putting together such a wonderful presentation and um, to the folks that were helping me on the line answer any questions. So uh, with that, I'm gonna stop the recording and hold on the line for a few more minutes to see if we have any last minute questions.